Dear Editor, this is the murderer of the two teenagers last Christmas at Lake Herman and the girl on the 4th of July. I want you to print this cipher on the front page of your paper. He wants his code in the afternoon edition. Ray Smith, don't you have a cartoon to finish? The Zodiac Killer has come to San Francisco. Another letter. School children make nice targets. He gave himself a name. Greek, Morse code, astrological signs. This guy's used them all. I like killing people because man is the most dangerous animal of all. How does one do that? I like puzzles. I do them a lot. Got any hard suspects? About uh, 90 an hour. I'm up to around 500. You got four crime scenes. Not a single usable print. You can't think of this case in normal police terms. He's breaking the pattern. Glenda said you were a cartoonist. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what are you doing at a gun range? I just want to help. What are you, some kind of boy scout? Eagle scout, actually. First class. Welcome to Movies Charles Hasn't Seen, episode 25. My name is Crossman. I'm Wilson. And I'm Charles. And this week we watched the 2007 movie Zodiac. So Charles, tell us about Zodiac. All right, so a series of murders happen in Northern and Southern California, and uh, various uh, newspaper organizations receive uh, letters with codes and threats of more murder if they don't print the codes, or it kind of sweeps up a public fervor and fear uh, over the serial killer who becomes known as the Zodiac Killer. And then the movie transitions to uh, different people becoming obsessed with the case and gradually losing their minds and their lives trying to figure out who did it. And eventually, Jake Gyllenhaal's character seems to have the best leads uh, as he's working on a book about the Zodiac killings, finds an answer that satisfies him the most I guess, that has the most evidence backing it, but we're never really sure if they found who did it. Yeah, that's pretty close. I mean, it's a true story, right? Like, these are, yeah. you're just relaying the yeah. actual events that surrounded the, the Zodiac killings. I picked this movie. You did? Yeah. Tell us why. Um, it's one of the 2007 movies. Another 2007? Well, then that's a significant reason. It's like just, yeah. you pick something from 2007, there's a good chance it'll be a good movie. Uh then that's like the biggest reason. This is just a great movie. Like I think it is an all-time great movie. Um, I think it's probably Fincher's best movie. For for me, it's either this or Gone Girl, are my favorite Fincher movies. Uh, it and it's also a showcase for one of our most underappreciated actors in Jake Gyllenhaal. I, I mm-hmm. think he is a one of the best that we have currently. Not Mark Ruffalo. Uh, he is appropriately appreciated. <laughs> when he's good, like Ruffalo's good. I like I like Ruffalo. Everybody does, but Dylan Hall is is really doing great work. In nearly every movie he's in, and also he doesn't a, begin here. a rebound Robert Downey Jr. Yes, playing the one playing character that he has. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I mean, he's literally the same as Tony Stark in this one. <clears throat> right, substantially uh, less successful. He plays yeah. Iron Man the next year. Okay, yeah. So this is pre-Iron Man. Okay. Pre-Iron Man. But you can see what he draws it's, it's on. It's basically the yeah. same character. In a couple of years after Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, which is his first like real comeback movie. Right. Yeah. 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 Another one where he drank a decent amount. So. Yeah. Yeah. And then Tony Stark is also a drunk. Yep. In Marvel canon. Uh, but it's a fun alcoholic, like, like an old timey. Well, in the movies, yeah, in the comics, yeah. it's not. Like, there's actually a pretty serious arc about like him struggling with it, and he eventually goes sober for. Should be much more interesting. If they yep, <laughs> you're right. Did that instead of Iron Man three. <laughs> yeah, they did something else. <laughs> yeah. um, 
I, I also think that this movie is uh, no Iron Man three is great. What's your problem? That's like the best one. Yeah. All right, um, we're not we're not going one, <laughs> one of the worst easily. <laughs> easily. Um, it's no two, but it's pretty bad. <laughs> the other thing I like about this movie is that it is uh, to a degree metatextual. Um, I think it's a movie mm. about obsession made by a very obsessive man. Uh, so it becomes both a depiction of obsession as well as an act of obsession uh, at the same time. And it really pulls us in and makes us kind of obsessed with the case yeah. as well because it's so compelling. Absolutely, yeah. And it inspires obsession. Exactly right. Mm -hmm. Like I remember when I first saw this movie, the first thing I did after seeing it was Google Zodiac Killers and see yeah. like what is going on here. Um, I did not crack the case. Same. It turns out, right? Like, yeah. You know, well, I Wikipedia it, but yeah, same thing. Yeah. And the Wikipedia article on Zodiac Killer is pretty underwhelming after watching this movie. <laughs> I bet. Yeah, because yeah, I was like, but what about the all this other shit? Yeah, all the things. <laughs> yeah. Like the the Anthony Lee Allen. It's like three paragraphs. It's like, but he's, he's the guy. He's, yeah, he's like definitely the guy. <laughs> yeah, and that's the thing. Like, um, yeah. Fincher clearly has an opinion here. Right, this isn't just a present the evidence and you make up your mind. He's like present the evidence and come to a conclusion, right? Yeah, like, he's like definitely this Anthony dude. Lee Hall. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's, uh, I mean, he strongly pulls you in that direction, but I mean, he. I feel like he still left it or Arthur slightly, Lee Allen, sorry, whatever the hell's name is. Yeah, Lee, I think he still Lee. left it slightly open. You do, you do, because like there's the bit the uh, text at the end that is pretty close to Fincher. Looking at saying, the camera like, and saying, "This guy did it. This guy definitely did it." Yeah. Well, yeah, but he doesn't right. stop and actually say it, right? And there's, there's all this stuff about like, you know, how people get old and forget, and it's been yeah. so long, and they've lost the evidence, and the text like, pretty much fits perfectly. Says, though, like, this guy did it, right? Yeah, yeah. and like, I think that yeah, the movie itself. Well, he also is... emphasizes the theme of the difference between the real answer and the answer that they wanted to find. Uh, because they might not be able to get the real answer, but they find the answer that they wanted to find, and they it lets them kind of absolve their obsession. Yeah. Well, I mean, and I don't know enough about the Zodiac killing to be able to identify what other evidence there is, right? Because mm -hmm. we get really Graysmith and, and Fincher's perspective on this, so I don't know what there is to exonerate Lee as the yeah. killer. So I don't know how much he's really saying that... that for us to, what, what evidence he's giving us to measure here, uh, but I don't think that's what the movie's about, right? Like, the most interesting yeah. thing about this movie is not figuring out who the Zodiac Killer is, right? Like, that that is not yeah, It's what watching these men makes lose their compelling. minds. Exactly, right? Um, among other things. Uh, how do you feel about this movie, Craftsman? I was really concerned it was going to be another um, Super long. assassination of Jesse James. So great. Those 2007 <laughs> movies. Like, another, like... Um, Amazing movie. <laughs> no, like a, a caption where it says, like, melancholy music plays. There is a no so melancholy music. No, um, but it, it's it's actually really good. It's a breezy 240. It is. Uh, it really is. Yeah. Yeah. And um, just like Jalen Hall's really good in it. The guy that plays um, Arthur Lee Allen. Great guy director. John Carroll Lynch. Yes. Uh, triple name. Yeah. It also he, sounds like a serial killer's name. Yes, yeah, it does. He, um, John Wayne Gacy, right? He does yeah. a really good menacing character. He's just a good actor. He's he shows very up in good a actor. lot of things, and he is versatile. He's in the underrated uh, Invitation. Invita he's in that. He's, he's been on he's TV a lot. He's terrifying in the Invitation. Right, but he's not always terrifying, right? Like, he's shown up on TV in, like, sitcom roles, and yeah. he's, like, this warm, like, teddy bear character. He I feel like he showed kind of both those sides yeah. even in this movie. 
where in a few of the scenes he looked kind of friendly and you're like not right. really sure if it was him. Right, yeah, like he can do he also looks somewhat like, like he plays like masterfully someone who looks like they like might have a learning disability. <laughs> um, but then is like suddenly very menacing and in control of the situation. Yeah. And he does the same thing in the very imitation. It's pretty much the same character that he plays in the imitation. Yeah, that's true. That was a good movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Underrated is correct. Well, it just kind of like went in and out of like independent theaters and yeah. But I, I saw it on a screen that was like barely bigger than my TV. <laughs> oh, I, I, yeah. I saw yeah. it down at uh, the IFC. Yeah, that's where I saw it too. And they have they have very small screens there. They do, but yeah. um, it was super good. Yeah, no, I loved the it. Screen for two thousand one yeah. was fine. Yeah, they have their like real screens, their big yeah. ones, but then there's like ones to the side that oh, man. seat like twenty people in there, tiny. Oh no, I I saw it in the two thousand one like theater a real theater. Saw. Yeah, like yeah, a real theater. I, I waited too long. That was <laughs> super good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Charles, what other Fincher have you seen? I've seen Fight, Fight Club, Club. Oh, sure. uh, The yeah. Social Network, uh, and Gone Girl. Okay, how how did you? How do you feel this one stacked up with those? Um, let's see. I don't think I like Fight Club that much the more I thought about it. Um, and it seems to be the general opinion. consensus between us that it's overrated. Yes, I agree. Um, I don't remember the social network all that well, um, but I did enjoy it. Uh, I think I like Gone Girl more than this one, uh, just as a viewing experience, because it had a lot of... It was an interesting story, and it had a lot of that like constant tension throughout the whole movie. It was like more of a thrill ride than this one, I guess. Yeah. Um, and for that reason, I, I would uh, pick that as my favorite Fincher. It's a, it's a, t it's a close call for me between that one and, yeah. and Zodiac. Uh, but yeah, having seen all these and thought about all of them, I, I think I really do like Fincher as a director because I really like his uh, style, I guess. He has that very consistent visual tone to his movies mm -hmm. that makes everything look yes. very slick, but also very dark. Yeah, he, he's I, another he's, uh, music video director. Oh really? Oh, yeah. Yeah, like I did not know that. Anton Fuqua. Yeah, he's actually directed a ton of music videos. That makes a lot of sense to me. Like, actually. so so many. <laughs> I can see, like a lot of Madonna videos. Really? That's uh, that is surprising. Iggy Pop, Don Henley, Paul Abdul, Gypsy Kings. Like that is <laughs> he runs the gamut. In the eighties, he was like. <laughs> Starting in 84, he's, like, crushing it with music videos through the early 90s, which is, like, the height of music videos. That's good for him. Yeah. I, Aerosmith, uh, Roy Orbison. Like, Aerosmith and Roy Orbison. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Jermaine Stewart, Rick Springfield. Like, this guy, like, was crushing it in in the 80s. Man, good for yeah. him. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, I think Charles, that you're right to, to point out his tone, because I think that's the most distinctive feature of Fincher movies. Yeah, um, he's kind of like a better version of Chris Nolan, I think, <laughs> in that he operates on one tonal level, right? Yeah. Like the movie has to be that like cool, detached, precise kind of tense, grim mode. Yeah, and if he can find that, he nails it. Yeah, right. Like, and that's why this movie works so well. That's why Gone Girl works really well. That's why Fight Club doesn't work as well because mm -hmm. it needs more. Tonal dexterity than that. Yeah. Um, he also anyway. he directed um, Alien Three. He did direct Alien Three, which I did not um, see Alien Three. I just read an article that was like a someone trying to like do one of these reevaluations of movies that are that, those articles happen like, like every day. Yeah. yeah, I think <laughs> Alien Three might actually deserve it. Okay, though um, deserve a reevaluation. Yeah, it's there's a lot of like interesting stuff going on in that movie. Like it's it's much 
it's actually like even darker than the <laughs> the, the the one about real aliens. aliens. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Then the other alien movies. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. Like it's it's a pretty dark film, and it it made like Ripley do a lot of like really interesting things. That's the one where she famously like shaved her head. Okay. In it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, she's in this like prison colony, and that there's a lot. Like everyone around her is is a prisoner. Uh-huh. Is this Chronicles or Riddick? That's it's, like one prisoner. Yeah, it's like it's like a smart version of Chronicles or <laughs> Riddick. Well, I mean the sequel. Where oh, he, right. Where okay, he's in yeah. a prison. You're right. You're right. Okay. Yeah, but there's there's a lot of like early Fincher because this is that's an early Fincher film. That's like a ninety. Does it does it have a signature style in there? Or yeah, you can see it. it. Like it's pretty gritty and like people get pushed into like industrial fans and oh. uh, they're they're in this oh. like super industrial complex and they. Fincher is not afraid to do some disturbing gore. Yeah, they end up killing the alien by like pouring lead on it, like molten mm. lead. But, okay. Because it's like, right. a, in addition to a prison, it's like a, a, a foundry. Of course. And um, But Don't it's a, like a really good anything. like industrial setting and like very 92. Like, <laughs> okay. Like, you could just imagine like a prodigy soundtrack or something. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I knock yeah. those articles. They're like, let's reevaluate the thing articles. But frankly, I'm okay with anything that says, let's like this. Well, you like, can I see, like liking things. Well, what it is, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. it's every, I think everyone kind of sneered at it because like Aliens is like one of the greatest sci fi movies of all time. And uh-huh. Alien 3 like had a very rough like production and then yeah. was not well received <clears> when it came out. Probably because it was like very in line with like Batman of the okay. time. And it's like very similar tonally, and The Crow, and like a ton of movies mm-hmm. that come out in like the early to mid nineties yeah. are like the same. Like, let's do it really dark for the first time. Yeah, we kind of never got over that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but th- that's like the nineties version of it, where yeah. it's like everything is industrial. Yeah, okay. Uh, where we live in this like post-industrial hellscape or whatever. Don't um, we? But you can see a lot of like early Fincher stuff where. Like very like traumatized characters and like sure. uh, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, would, uh, and that shows up and like gore. Like he's not afraid to like go there with gore. Like you see people's like foreheads get punched in and like mm-hmm. like the skin of the alien and stuff like that is like gross. And, <laughs> the yeah. the audience can't see it, but Crossman is grinning widely. Uh, <laughs> he's so excited. What? <laughs> <laughs> so I think that's important to to paint. Well, that I, I love effects and creature effects, yeah. and, yeah, and that's so actually like one of the first movies that I like really saw that had that. So. Yeah, yeah, I can see why that would appeal to you. Yeah, certainly. Um, yeah, I haven't seen it either, the Alien Three, but uh, but mostly because of the bad reviews, so I just skipped it. Yeah, you should yeah. watch it. You might actually like it. Okay, it's, if you like Zodiac so much, you, I'd love you can see a lot of like proto Fincher stuff happening. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he, this movie for a movie about a serial killer um, doesn't have much gore in it. Uh, there is there's blood spray Hardly here and there, any, yeah. but uh, it's tastefully done. Um, in su- not tastefully done, but carefully done, uh, yeah. in in such a way that when it happens, it's very jarring, yeah. right? Like it's it really throws you. All those um, scenes are like really intense. Yes, that I mean, first part of murder, it is the meta yeah. aspect yeah. of knowing that this movie is about a serial killer, so you know a murder is about to happen. Yes, um, because like I noticed in a lot of the scenes, he didn't dial up the tension by using music. No, they're silent. The only time he did that yeah. was in the basement scene when there wasn't a murderer. God. Love that scene. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I want to talk about that one at some point. Yeah, but we'll get there. Yeah, right? but, but the murder scenes. Uh, I felt like a lot of the tension I had was on the meta level of knowing that there was a murder about to happen. Yeah, and I guess that combines with obviously you know them being very isolated, and that's a very scary feeling. That kind of helplessness. Yeah. Um, but you know, normally you would expect there to be some music. 
to yeah. back it up. Yeah, and he, he, he that's a Scorsese move. Um, Scorsese mm-hmm. will do that a lot, punctuate yeah, his scenes silent. with lack of music. Yeah, yeah. Um, he does it in Raging Bull. Uh, he does it in Silence. Uh, so that's that's a very see. It's weird because there's definitely times I can imagine <laughs> Silence feeling jarring and adding to the tone of the scene. Here I felt like it kind of blunted it a little bit. Oh really? Uh, like I felt like it could have been more intense if there had been music. Um, and that's why I keep saying that my my attention um, felt very meta. See, what, what I thought it worked because it felt more like you were in the place, right? Because mm-hmm. it, it put, I think it puts you more in the place of the victim, right? Because if you're the victim in that scenario, you're not hearing any music, right? Like it, of course. it made it feel so isolated and, and so desperate for me. Like there, there really isn't an out here, um, especially the, the scene uh, when the lady gets picked up on the side of the road, mm-hmm. like that one, like the lack of music there where he just says, before I kill you, I'm going to throw your baby out the window. Like that worked really mm-hmm. well, just because there was it was just his dialogue. Um, so yeah, I, I thought those scenes were just Fincher at his best. Like he's just pulling every string just right uh, in those moments. Uh, but since you mentioned it, like Fincher actually at his best is that basement scene. Like that yeah. is maybe the best scene he's put to film. I don't know. Yeah, that one really got my heart pumping. <sighs> Holy yeah. shit. Yeah, yeah, that was intense. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, it's intense and you know he's not going to die, it's right? A, is, is it one shot, too? I wasn't paying attention. So... I, I don't think so, because you get cuts from Hall to the guy. Yeah, the weird guy. Vaughn, yeah. I think um, just to set the stage here, this is where oh, yeah. um, Jake Hall, who plays uh, Gray Smith, who is a cartoonist turned author turned murder sleuth, um, is in the basement of a guy he thinks has uh, some evidence as to who the Zodiac killer is, but then it turns out that if he might actually be the killer, and Jake Gyllenhaal realizes this halfway through the meeting when he takes he asks Gyllenhaal to join him down in the basement, um, yeah. and they both go down there, and a very high high a tension of, moment. A plays bunch out. of evidence kind of comes together, <clears throat> and you realize this guy might be the murderer. Right, because it turns out he has a basement, which they know the Zodiac Killer has a basement. Yeah. Um, he has handwriting that matches uh, with Zodiac's handwriting. Uh, but the, that scene itself, I, I think that the use of music there was really effective because in that moment, because uh, because he hadn't used it earlier, mm-hmm. the contrast played really well. Okay. Uh, so we, we have this, he's pointing to a tense moment, right, mm-hmm. with the use of music uh, where he hadn't before. Yeah. And that that played it up perfectly, and uh, Hall nails it in that scene. The yeah. guy that he's concerned about is the voice of Roger Rabbit from yeah. Frame Roger Rabbit. <laughs> <laughs> That's like the first thing everyone seems to bring up yeah. after I looked it up online. Yeah. I did not know that. <laughs> okay. That's got some good range. Yeah. yeah. He, yes, he looks does. real creepy. Too. He does look he real creepy. Very. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and he's just right on that razor's edge between creepy and like a little too inviting right yeah so like you don't know like well, that's also creepy right right which is what gyllenhaal what, what's going on in his head and you, you see it all on his face in that scene yeah. um, on top of him just like gradually becoming more and more unhinged uh as the movie progresses uh so yeah i thought that might be fincher's best scene outright just like in his filmography because uh, there's it, that one stuck with me more than any other when I first saw this movie. Yeah, I feel like when I watch movies, a lot of the scenes that normally would be intense, I just kind of pass by. 
mm-hmm. um, without too much like reaction to it. It's just like, oh, that happened or something like that. Yeah. But this one, like my heart was immediately like thumping. Yes. It really, yes. it really caught me. Um, well, and you know he's not going to die, right? Because you yeah. know that he's the guy that writes the book that the movie's based on. Yeah. Right? Like, you know he's going to be fine. And it still just plays yeah. as, as really intense um, and and hard to watch, but hard not to watch. A lot of the <coughs> the actors in this movie are so good that they're actually, like, distracting at times. What do you mean? Well, the, um, like, Mark Ruffalo yeah. in it is like, oh, this is Mark Ruffalo. And it's like, distracting that it's Mark Ruffalo. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. I, like, I was with him. Uh, for yeah. like I bought him as the... the it is like boilerplate Mark Ruffalo, right? <laughs> right I don't know how to describe it's just what this, his character is, but it's exactly what I expect from him. Yeah, th- yeah. This, this general broad decency, or, uh, like a quiet decency. Smaller than that is like um, like Adam Goldberg's in a few scenes. Yeah, when, before it was like famous. It's still like distracting you. It's yeah. like, hey, it's Adam Goldberg, and it's Which like guy was it's that? kind of a throwaway scene. It's the guy who replaces um, Robert right. Downey Jr. at his desk. Like towards yeah, the conversation. Oh, the about, guy like, from Saving Private Ryan. Yeah, he's also yeah. in the first season of Fargo. Okay. Show. Uh, yeah, he's like a fun, like very funny comedic actor. Yeah. Um, it, but yeah, it's like really distracting that he's like in those scenes because it's kind of a throwaway character. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it was before he did done a lot of that stuff. Uh, yeah. I believe. Well, it wouldn't have been before uh, Saving Private Ryan, but he, he was like known as an actor. Yeah. Or like uh, Dermot Mulroney is like another one who's like in some scenes. It's like. Hey, it's Dermot Mulroney. Why is he like in this throwaway scene? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like that. This is like an A A A list cast. Like, yeah. like impressive <clears throat> level of quality of the cast. Yeah, I mean, yeah. but uh, Hall is never distracting to me. Like I keep coming back to him, but I, I think his performance in this movie is very good. It's so good. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I liked about it, especially, and what I noted about it in this viewing, um, is how well he sets up his going crazy ish later on. Right, like, because he's a weird guy, right? Yeah. And they depict him as like this weird guy who's like his word choices and like how he phrases and times his sentences socially is a little off. Yeah, right. Like the whole time, I didn't notice that actually. I did not notice that. It's a, it's a, yeah. He does, he does this thing that kind of sets you up to know he's a. Oh, off. He has the potential to, to, to be, lose it. Yeah, to, yeah, to just go off the rails, which he eventually does, of course. Yeah. Um, like the scene when he goes out to get a drink with Robert Downey Jr. and he asks him about the aqua velva that he orders, yeah. and his, and he's like, and Robert Downey Jr. says, "What is that?" And Gyllenhaal says, "Oh, you wouldn't make fun of it if you tried it." But he does it in like this deadpan way, and he doesn't miss a beat. Like he says that immediately after Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> asks the question, yeah. as though he had the line prepared. Well, he's clearly been made fun of for liking this girly-looking drink before. Right. So yeah, that might be it. But he does it like he plays it so straight, but also like kind of like this innocent disbelief about it. Mm-hmm. So it, and which is exactly how I think truly weird people understand the world, right? Like they don't think they're weird. And I think that, I think that's where, right. I think that's the character that Dylan Hall is evoking here. It's a guy who is so strange that he doesn't understand that he's strange. And so when he go, so then that's why it's so easy for him to really go nuts and dive into this case and like destroy his life and his family for it. Yeah. Because by the time for a normal person that is interested in it, they would understand much earlier on what they're doing to themselves. It takes him way longer because to him it feels normal. 
okay. to be doing this. And so he and he sets that up with like these little weird vocal ticks early in the movie. And it's such a brilliant, like long term macro level performance. It kind of reminds me of his character in Nightcrawler. I just wanted to bring it up because I yeah. love that movie He's and so, I loved his performance in yeah, that one. He doesn't he doesn't same. quite become that unhinged in this movie. Right, um, but, but same, I like, loved that performance. Very similar character. Yeah, he's, he's yeah. like a cartoon villain in that movie. Um, not yeah. in a bad way. Like he, 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 it's clearly channeling Heath Ledger's Joker. I think in, <laughs> in uh, Nightcrawler. Um, I think his performance. Uh, he's Nightcrawler was great. I think it's a great movie. I think he's great in it. I think he's much more subtle here. Yeah, um, in a in yeah, a really far. effective way. Um, that I think is a better showcase for his range and talent. Um, but he's like that in every movie, right? Like, he pick even the bad or not or less good Hall movies, and he does the same thing. He finds these little subtleties in the performance mm-hmm. and in the character, and he draws them out. Um, like, I saw Demolition last year, which was, in other hands, would have been pretty close to unwatchable. But he finds ways to make this character interesting. And, uh, okay, I, now I thought I, the trailers for that one didn't look that good, so I didn't see I it. I saw it because Jillian Hall's in it, and I'm yeah. glad I did. Because okay. he's, he's so great all the time. Um, so, but there's other performances in this movie. Uh, you had raised Ruffalo, yeah. Grassman. He's, he's, like, he's one of those people that, like, like he's really, like, into his character. I don't think yeah. he disappears because it's Mark Ruffalo, but, like... Right, yeah. he's not a chameleon like Jillian Hall is, right? Like, when you mm-hmm. hire Ruffalo you know you're hiring Ruffalo, and you know yeah. you're going to get his his style. It's really similar to his character in uh, Spotlight. Yeah, they, easily. Like, that's... Well, it's... These, that's a similar they're, role, They're both, right? like, investigative <laughs> yeah. people. It's both, like, around newspapers. Yep, yeah. I yeah. drew that same connection. Yeah. Um, this movie is similar to Spotlight in more ways than the Ruffalo connection. Uh, yeah. Because one of the big themes in this movie is the logistical deficiencies mm-hmm. in this investigation right like that is it really the middle portion of this movie is about that mm-hmm. is about how this movie how this murder could have been solved if these people were able to organize and cooperate with each other in a reasonable way um, so I don't I've talked a lot how do you guys feel about that idea <laughs> Charles which idea the idea like how the role that technology and logistics play in this movie like I, I feel it's it's a pretty it, significant... it was very frustrating to watch yeah yeah um, them having to like jump around between the different departments and quibble, quibbling over jurisdiction yep. and like <clears throat> all the different departments bitching at each other for not telling them about like different analysis like the handwriting analysis I think it was so many things <laughs> that was one of them yeah yeah and they're just like I don't know like insecure about their manhood and feel bad about being left out of the investigation or something like that. Yeah. yeah. Well, and just like the dumb things that prevent a swift investigation from moving forward. Like yeah. one office has a fax machine, the other one doesn't. Yeah. So exactly. they have to send the, yeah. the thing in the mail, right? Or yeah. right. Like they they put out a bad ID for a few minutes of the Zodiac killer. And so then those they cops, them. so those cops miss him, right? While he's walking down the street, right? Like and of course, they never think to stop the white dude, right? Exactly, exactly. Because hey, they had an ID, right? Um, so yeah, it's just so many of those like little practical things, yeah, that lead to this guy getting away, basically. Yeah, and it it's also like a really interesting, just like like 
all that like ties into that it's like a period piece. Yes. It's like yeah. very specifically in the seventies. Its timeline is like very specific. It's yep. like three days later, four days later, and one day later. Like yeah. each scene has like a very specific moment in time. Yes. Uh, I think that's tied back to like the research that they did for this movie. Apparently they like re interviewed everybody. Yeah. <laughs> They went through a lot. They weren't just like taking the book and turning it into a script. They like went back, talked to very everyone that was still alive. And yep. Very David Fincher. Built like a case file on that essentially. Right. Right. And it and it plays out. It shows. Yeah. Uh, and then well, that's and interesting because it's like Fincher's like now I'm reinvestigating this. Right. That's like the statement that he's making, and the the conclusion that he comes to at the end is like. It was definitely this it guy. actually a conclusion. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I think that's how this movie—I I briefly mentioned it earlier—works on this other level because really, it's about four obsessive people, right? It's Fincher. about yeah, yeah. Gyllenhaal, Ruffalo, the killer, and Fincher. Fincher being yeah the, the most obsessive, the meta obsessive. Yeah. Well, the yeah. guy who kills people is probably the most obsessive, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but Fincher is on the list. Yeah. Right? Well, he very self-consciously he's known for shooting many takes. Like. Right, and he did in this movie, right? There, there's um, the sequence at the beginning where Hall is taking his kid to school, yeah. and there's a bit where Jill, it's a, literally like a one or two second shot where he tosses his notebook onto the seat next to him in his chair. Yeah. Fincher took that shot some like 30 or 40 times huh. because he wanted that notebook to fall open in a certain way at a certain angle on that seat for this sequence at the beginning. Yeah. I don't even remember that scene. Right, I mean, you, you wouldn't notice it unless yeah. you were looking for it. Like, unless you hear that story first and look for it, you won't notice it, but yeah. Like, it's right. literally this, like that. It caused a lot of tension with some of the actors. Understandably. Apparently he took like, like 55 to 70 shots <clears throat> for It's just like a common a theme shot. amongst some of the more prolific directors. Yeah, um, yeah, and you wonder very only like the Maestros are like really doing the, that. Like the the Exorcist is known for that. Yeah, all of Kubrick's the, work. Fellini's uh, known for that. Coppola. Yep. Um, but only like a handful of people are allowed to be kind of like a tyrant like that. <laughs> yeah. 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 And even then, like you, you'll hear stories about. The, there's people. a really famous story about the Exorcist for that. I don't they, know it. What is it? So the the film starts with they're like cooking breakfast or uh -huh. something, and. They mm -hmm. are like cooking bacon and eggs or something, and the director was like, "No, this is the wrong bacon." <laughs> <laughs> and, and then like, what's the, what's the right thing? Production like got put on hold for like a few days for them to find the right bacon, and then when they <laughs> shot it, and the people that are like, "You're nuts!" And then like, <laughs> yeah, the, they're not wrong. But then they saw the dailies, and they were like, eh, "Maybe it's a point." Like, like <laughs> what the hell is this point? Yeah, what, uh, like, well, if you're really looking for that, like, certain crispness, where you're like looking for something that you can like taste and smell, like so, just by seeing it, like yeah. that's what he was looking for. Maybe he knew he was going to eat the bacon afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> he just wanted maybe. the right kind. Uh, and then Fellini is known for that too, where like, yeah, for him, actors aren't people they're just like puppets for him to mm -hmm. yeah i mean and kubrick's the same way like he treats actors as an inconvenience yeah um, <laughs> yeah so, so i don't think finch fincher's like that but he's very obsessive with right well he's, he's not good enough right like i like fincher i think he makes good movies he's not stanley kubrick 
right? He's not very bleeding. Like he's he's not. It seems to be yeah. worth it. Like he gets a right. lot out of it. Right. It, yeah. it, well, I mean, it's worth it for this movie. He did the same thing in all his movies. Worth it with Gone Girl, right? Right. Like, it, it's effective. But then you see like Spielberg will just do like two shots and then be like, okay, well, we got it. Like let's <laughs> moving along, rolling on, right? Yeah. Um, and then you make Raiders of the Lost Ark, which is like. You know, top five greatest films of all time. You know, so yeah. okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, he, it, it, you mentioned the use of uh, period technology, or at least how important the period is. Yeah, in this I, uh, I read the IMDb, and I, I hate it. But whenever I go to the goofs section of Gosh. IMDb, it's always like <laughs> it's always anachronisms. And well, you think it's going to be something interesting or something? It's never is. Like, it's just like the cup rotated between two cuts. Right. Yeah, or this, this yes. was actually invented two years later. Yeah. That's all it was. Well, those I find, I find vaguely amusing, actually. Yeah, it's, I find it stone-cold boring. Yeah, yeah, there's like 50 of those for this movie where <laughs> of it's like, well, in this film, they have a 1972 instead of a 1971. Yeah. And it's like, uh, this shot uses a modern-day skyline of San Francisco. And like, <laughs> yeah. this one... There was one where Did it was they like because they had just like pure CG shots of San Francisco every time. Yeah, you saw there's it. apparently one yeah. scene where you see the skyline, but you didn't Whoops. notice it, so it doesn't so matter. Gives a shit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, but uh, I mean, it's the goofs. There was one you where gotta, it was like all. this scene is set in March of this year. And, <laughs> oh no! And this song came out in October of that year. <laughs> oh, that's nice. terrible. And it was like, what? Who? Like, first of all, how do you know? And then yeah. second of all, why did you take the time to? Well, I mean, like, but that's just it. Like, it's also a movie that inspires obsession, right? Yeah. So here we have, we <laughs> oh, have another, wrong every things, movie so. has that kind of section. Yeah. Some people I, find it fun. Yeah. And, and this, th I mean, this one kind of invites it, though. It, yeah, sure. Because it has, uh, from, yeah. because of the topic and because it covers 20 years. Yeah. So if you want to pick out continuity errors. And it's a true crime. Yeah. And like, it's a true story. Yeah. So that that that's interesting because there's a lot of, like, true crime stuff right now that's like super popular yes. so serial kind of like revived it on yep. npr yeah but th this is like that like this this is serial but from like 2007 like the level yeah, of sense. detail and obsession yeah. and reinvestigation like that fincher goes through is like very serial-esque and it yeah, and it, that that's that like kicked off all these things with like the the Jinx murder. and Make yeah. Murder and S Town and all this genre. It's suddenly like really popular. The true crime genre is like, oh, like there was this interesting film in two thousand seven that kind of like leads For, us, leads yeah, us there. foretold all of these. Yeah, things. yeah, no, that's a good point. <laughs> um, and yeah, I wonder how much of those we would have had without. Uh, Zodiac, probably some, but because this movie I mean, was, it might just be like a zeitgeist thing. But it, it's yeah. definitely like you can draw like pretty clear lines from this film oh, to I, those things. I absolutely agree. Like, hey, like this is a really interesting moment. That's like a period piece, and there's like a lot of unsolved questions around it. And that's like the same thing with Serial, just for like 20 years later. Yeah, I mean the big difference is that between this and Serial specifically, and a lot of those pure crime things, is, is again that Fincher has a very clear perspective. It has to be answered. Yeah, yeah and this is like <coughs> stylized too. Yeah, well, and I mean, that's the other thing. Like one of the critiques of Serial was that it wasn't a very satisfactory conclusion. Uh, but I think one of the critiques broadly of that genre is that they're not really, because they're so wedded to the true story of it, they're not that interested in uh, developing the thematics. And mm -hmm. the, th well, the thematics here are very strong. Well, the... <laughs> Serial is funny because it has like a very NPR like ideology where it's like, 
all right, now let's get this side of it, and yeah. then this side, and then this side. And then right. Making a Murder is, like, far more compelling, because Making a Murder is, like, never comes out and says it, but right. Making a Murder is, like, on the side of this the This dude guy. is innocent. Yeah. yeah. Or the Jinx, where it's, like, this dude yeah, definitely we, did we got him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that show's great. I like the Jinx a lot. I think it's better yeah. than Serial. Yeah. And, yeah, of course, because Serial, again, is NPR, where it's, yeah. like, whoa, if we're not, like, super neutral, we'll lose our, our funding. <laughs> the Aaron Sorkin yeah. problem, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, so, well, yeah, I, I agree. Sorkin's a whole nother <laughs> well, thing. I don't, I don't Sorkin to chase him. Um, Sorkin's like, if we could just all argue it out, like, <laughs> we'll solve it. In the goofy voice? Is that how he does it? <laughs> yeah, well, we, we should all be walking and then, like, be super misogynist, and that's, like, how we... <laughs> solve we, the world's problems. Yeah. Yeah. None, none of that's, like... An original idea. There are many criticisms of Sorkin that you can read that are. You are right. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that, correct. I'm stealing that from. So, um, yeah. th- speaking of stealing ideas, uh, a lot of <laughs> critics have compared this movie to Seven. Uh, which another is, David Fincher which, film. Yeah, another Fincher film. That one I haven't seen yet. Okay, so Seven is another... You can probably skip it after seeing this one. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, well, it, I hear I, it talked about a lot, so I assumed it was... Well, it's, yeah, you know probably all the things through memes, though. Like, yeah, well, and it, uh, it's interesting in comparison to this. You would not like Seven. Okay. You would not like the horror. The horror elements of Seven would be very upsetting to you. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Maybe uh, I don't want to watch it then. Yeah. But Seven has... This very stylized version of a serial killer, right? Like the the killer in that movie has like this big grand scheme and he executes the scheme and it's very visual yeah. and like the way you're, he's killing people matters a lot. Um, it feels like something out of a Hannibal Lecter novel or TV show or movie. Um, yeah. And the cops there are largely competent, right? Mm-hmm. Like they are able to piece these things together. They're able to say... This is why he did it this way. This is why he did it this way, et cetera, et cetera. And based on these clues, they're able to, you know, reach solid conclusions and capture the bad guy. Um, so a lot of people, again, this is not my original idea, but I find it a, to be compelling, have compared this movie to that as uh, either an answer or even a mea culpa for Fincher, where he's depicting police officers and police Departments as incompetent, as unable to get the job done. Oh, okay. As I was going to say, Seven came like eight years before this movie. So. Yeah, yeah. So this no, is, twelve years before this movie. So. Right. So it's in conversation with his past, right? Yeah, with, okay. with his with his earlier films, um, and I I was watching for it on this viewing because I hadn't heard that critique until I watched it here. Um, and I think that it it really bears it out, like both in the sense that the the ideas that we talked about, uh, where these cops just can't organize anything, that they're missing yeah. the guy walking right past him, that they're really, even when they're the good cop, are unable to get the job done. Uh, there's also in this viewing all those dirty Harry references. Yeah, literally, right? yeah, literal, um, literal dirty Harry. And yeah, the bullet. <clears throat> what? And the bullet. Our fellow yeah. San Francisco movie right. cop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, which I felt to be pretty clear textual evidence that Fincher was doing this on purpose. That he was. There, there were constant references to the cops being called pigs as well. Yeah, there's at least one ex- pretty clear one from Lee where he says, I look forward to the day where cops are not called pigs. Um, yeah. That day has not yet arrived. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, you're right. It, it is in there. Um, so yeah, I think that it is a weirdly personal film. Mm-hmm. Uh, for David Fincher, 
I think that he is, he is talking about himself, his own habits as a filmmaker, as well as the specific films that he made prior to this one. Um, have you seen Dirty Harry? I have not. Crossman, have you seen Dirty Harry? Yeah, I've seen all of them. You seen, how many are there? There's like four or five of them. Yeah, that's a lot. <laughs> yeah. It's, I mean, they it, get decreasingly worse. Or increasing, increasingly <laughs> worse. Yeah, okay, decreasingly good. Yeah. yeah, something like that. <laughs> I mean, they don't start out that great. You just, Damn. Yeah. Well, it's just like Clint, Clint Eastwood like killing people of color. And yeah, it's his political wet dream, right? Like it's yeah, it's yeah. Like, uh, and cops are only unleashed to shoot a bad guy in the face. Right, yeah. right, exactly. And but the the plot of the first one is important. Right. Well, they did they spoil kind of in the movie, but not really. I mean, whatever. It's a forty-year-old yeah. movie. <laughs> so yeah, it's fine. No, um, no, I'm not worried about that. But they they kind of like. Say like here's the end of Dirty Harry. Oh yeah, he's like oh he shoots the bad guy right here and he like points right to himself in the heart. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they they go to a screening of the mm -hmm. first Dirty Harry movie, and yeah, what's hilarious about Dirty Harry is he's so effective in his yes. like working outside the law and just like doing the cowboy like. Right, and it, he always finds the guy. And right. These guys he's are always he's yeah. never tangled in due process. But it's also <laughs> right. about like a serial killer mm -hmm. and who yeah. clearly inspired by the Zodiac killer. Yeah, um, and in contemporaneous to the Zodiac killer. Yes. Yeah. It, it, but he he gets it right. Right. Like he's out there gunning down bad guys all the time, and it's always bad guys. Right. Like he's never finding the wrong guy. Yeah. He's yeah. never getting misled. Yeah. Um, you see this in modern uh, Law and Order shows. Now, right? Like you look at actual Law and Order, at or well, or CSI, or what any of those networks. Yeah, the cops are crime just so capable in shows. Right, exactly. Yeah. It's it's reactionary propaganda. Really, there's no other appropriate term for it. Yeah. In so far as the cops are always right, they're always finding the right guy, and they are. <laughs> and when they break the rules, they break them in exactly the right way. Yep. And it's always worth it to break the rules. Um, and it's like speed, where they like. <laughs> What are you gonna do when they have a uh, oh with the hostage? With the hostage. <laughs> have you seen Speed, Charles? I I have. I was very young when I watched it, though. So they, him and it's Jeff Daniels, right? This is his partner. That sounds right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So they they're like quizzing each other. It's like, what do you what do you do, Keanu and Jeff Jeff Daniels? Like, yeah. what do you do in these certain situations? And they come up with like impossible situations for themselves. Well, but and, the well, I'm sorry. Go ahead. And the one that's like. The famous one later, later reenacted in the movie is like you have a hostage and like what do you do and it's like oh we you shoot the hostage through the shoulder to like kill the bad guy it's a die hard move yeah, yeah. and then that happens like in the in speed <laughs> right and then it's and like poetry all, they're ex yeah exactly they're exactly right, right? yeah like it totally plays out that way um, and here I think we see Fincher running in the opposite direction. Right, like in, in that sense, it's a pretty progressive movie. And he manages to find that important theme in a true story. The cops are just like totally incapable of... Well, it's not even that they're incapable because he does kind of go out of his way to show us that Ruffalo is pretty smart, yeah. right? Um, that he understands the law, yeah. right? And he, he cares about, he, I think he's coming from a place of good faith, mm -hmm. right? Like if you, if, anyone, if you want anyone to be a cop, it's the Ruffalo character in that movie, right? And he still can't do it, mm -hmm. right? Like, he still can't figure it out. And every time they 
fail to follow protocol, it gets worse, mm -hmm. right? Like they get further away from solving the mm -hmm. crime every time they're not able to cooperate with the police department, every time they're not sending the thing that they're supposed to send, not filling out the report correctly, not doing the paperwork the way, the way they're supposed to do. Yeah. Every time they fuck it up, it's harder to find the, the criminal. Whereas if they had actually followed the rules the way you're supposed to and done the stuff you're supposed to do, they would have got him, right? And that is, I think it's a really subtle message in this movie. Like he never comes out and said, and like states it in the same way that he talks about obsession. Like that's clearly the A mm -hmm. narrative here. But it's so, like especially that middle portion of the movie, it's so critical to what's going on here and so much a part of what Fincher is trying to say. Mm -hmm. um, and I've never seen another movie do it. Like I've never seen that idea explored in that same way in another film. It feels original to this. Yeah, it's like seven, but they like can't figure it out. Right, right. Yeah. it's seven if it were investigated by actual cops. Right? Yeah. Or if they were, or if these cops were investigating an actual serial killer rather than this cartoon version of a serial killer. Yes. Right. Because uh -huh. that—that's the other thing. Like this guy isn't leaving elaborate clues based on the seven deadly sins or whatever. He's just killing people because that's yeah really what you can expect. Well, there, there's like a meta thing to it, but also, well, he does like like around the like zodiac calendar oh yeah yeah, yeah. a little bit but they, they don't highlight that as much it's like it's reference but it's like fincher to that's not what's important to fincher no it is not yeah. and and it's it's not important to the police officer either right like that that's the, the actual mm -hmm. ones evidently yeah uh, so I, I think and i think if you look at other serial killers throughout history that's not how they kill right like they just kill because there's a uh, there's an opportunity right like mm -hmm. right. Or that's what the voice in their head tells them to do right um, so, I I love that about this movie. Like that, it's what it's probably might be my favorite thing about this movie that he manages to take a, a true story, a true crime story, story, and make it in a sense progressive and thoughtful and complex, like mm. really thematically complex. Uh, and I, I'm grateful for Fincher that he, that he was able to find that. How do you think this stacks up to like other 2007 movies? Great question. Um, I like Assassination more. Um, <laughs> my favorite movie from that year is probably There Will Be Blood. Still. Um, it's a killer movie. <laughs> yes. Yeah. God, that was that great. long ago? Man. Yeah, that yeah. was a 2007 movie. Um, so no, for, no Country too. Yeah, so There Will Be Blood, No Country, Assassination are probably my top three from that year. Oh, God. Uh, and then maybe this one, like that's, this. It's a hell of a lineup. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. <laughs> that, I mean, when you're thinking about all-time great movies of the first decade of the 21st century, those four are yeah. all in the top 10, I think. First Transformers movie? <laughs> 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 yep, there's there was that. There B movie was that year, I think. Yep, that's true. Um, so good. Gone Baby Gone, I think, was that year. Okay. Which doesn't stack up to these, but is very, very good. Is that um, the one with Casey Affleck? Yeah. Yeah, so I, I I think it's high on the list. I think it's very high on the list uh, for me in 2007. Um, yeah, there's a lot of good movies there. Yeah, what else? I know we talked about the list in another episode, but that was a while ago. What else is on there? Uh, damn. Um, the Mist, which okay. I, I really liked, I think. That's a great movie. Uh, Gone Baby Gone, right? Knocked Up, Ratatouille, yeah. Grindhouse. Didn't Old Boy come out that year? Um, or was that earlier? That might have been earlier. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, Zodiac, um, 
one of the Pirates of the Caribbean films. Well, that's obviously not going <laughs> to <laughs> Well, the one. first one is good. Oh, no, it's Outworld's End. That one's terrible. Yeah. Um, Hot Fuzz came out that year. They, yeah. That was a really good movie. Hot that is a good movie. Fantastic. Yeah. Uh, Eastern Promises. Yeah. Have you seen Eastern Promises? I have. Yeah, that was a great that bathhouse scene. That night fight is yeah, insane. That is exactly what it I is. I remember just feeling very uncomfortable. Right. Those fight scenes. They're very uh, intense. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Charlie Wilson tour. Yeah. That, that, was, that was pretty fine. good. Okay. Um, <laughs> Didn't see that one. Twenty eight weeks later was pretty good. Yeah. Sunshine. Um, okay. Two thirds of that movie is good. <laughs> I want to see that one. The better Die Hard sequel. Live for your Die Hard. Okay, that's that something where he launches a taxi into a helicopter. I do it, yeah, and blows them both up. I being okay with that one, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, yeah, we have a we have a lot of a lot of options. The um, Halloween remake was that year. That was pretty good. Yeah, a lot of excellent. Films. Simpsons movie came out that year. <laughs> <laughs> I am Legend. Yeah, that's another movie that needed a different ending. I am Legend. Uh, the the real ending I read about is pretty good. We, yeah. Well, we spoke about it on the yeah. podcast. Like a few yeah. Episodes. Oh, yeah, you're right. I forgot about that. Um, Super Bad, also that year. Yeah. I like not. Super Bad knocked up came out in the same year. Yeah. Wow, yeah. that's productive for... I think Super Bad is one of my favorite comedies. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then Into the Wild, which got some some notice that year. Yeah. That's, that's an awards baby movie. Yeah. yeah. I don't think it's a very good movie, <laughs> but it is. Wait, which one ended up winning Best Picture? That's a great. I think it was There Will Be Blood. I would sure guess was. it's There Will Be Blood. Yeah, because it was a contest between that and and uh, no. So that'll be the yeah. 2008 Academy yeah. Awards, right? Um, so yeah, it was a contest between. Did Daniel Day Lewis win the Best Actor? He showed him us. So yeah, I can't imagine who else yeah. would be with him there. Let's see. Um, <clears throat> Best Picture, No Country. Oh, was it? Okay, I misremembered then. Uh, with. Atonement, Juno, Michael Clayton, and There Will Be Blood. Yeah, I like Juno and Michael Clayton. Those are all great movies. Yeah, I like Juno. Michael Clayton was like, meh. Yeah, yeah okay. Michael Clayton yeah. was okay. But uh, Juno, was, I think, holds up. I think if you go back it to it. Looks like it's the Cohen's kind of sweep here. Um, they get Best Director. Daniel Day-Lewis gets Best Actor. Well earned. Um, the I think this is the first like we see of Marie Marion Cotillard. In, in the United States. Uh, La Vie and Rose. Yeah. Um, best supporting, no country. Javier yeah. Bardem. No kidding. Yeah. Yeah. Michael, yeah. Like, Silva Swinton got for Michael Clayton. I forgot she was in that, but yeah, she looks oh, so normal. And this is the uh, Diablo <laughs> Cody year where she won for best screenplay. Yeah. Again, like pretty well, well learned. And the oh, it's not original. No Country for Old Men won for best adapted. Yeah. I was like, why didn't the Coens win? That was yeah. confusing. <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> There Will Be Blood is an adapted screenplay, too. So, Ratatouille should have won that. But, okay. Yeah. Uh, but this movie uh, didn't get much Oscar attention. It didn't get much critical attention. Yeah. And, and, and it didn't make that much money either. It was, it, it was not a popular movie on any front when it came out in 2007. And it was. It's not listed at all in the Academy Awards. Right, it got, it got no attention at all. Norbit got oh, a, <laughs> best makeup nom. Oh, Jesus. That's so it was nominated, Norbit was nominated more than this movie. Right, exactly. Um, so maybe a lot of critics panned it as a nearly three hour movie with no conclusion and a meandering plot that doesn't go anywhere. Right. Uh, this is not my thought. <laughs> this, this yeah, I think if it was in any other year, it would have 
like mm. gotten attention. I maybe. Think. Uh, it, it doesn't seem like those the films that just kind of came and went and like didn't get the right attention. Yep. It doesn't seem like the type of movie that would get Oscar attention, though. Apparently, it isn't because it didn't. I uh, think now, like if it came out now, it would. Because like, we, like sweet. you pointed out, we have this uh, true crime uh, culture. Yeah. happening yeah also like spotlight made it if it came out like last last year was like a terrible year for movies if it came out last year it would have like crushed the academy awards like I don't know, like of... these are all like known actors yeah. that are now loved yeah well and, and fincher's made a bigger name for himself now as well yeah um he got attention for con girl yes uh, correctly which people yeah really liked yeah mm-hmm. that was the best um tyler perry movie ever <laughs> yep <laughs> Tyler was. Perry's great in that film. He I is. was like, why isn't Tyler Perry in everything? Like, and then why, you see why like, is, the rest of his yeah. filmography. <laughs> why isn't like, he a, being a real actor, right? Because like, well, he makes like a jillion okay, dollars sure, for right. like... I know why. He spends like five million dollars yeah. on a film and makes like 60, so... Yes, I get. Yeah. I understand the reason. Yeah. Yeah. Money, capital. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah but uh, yeah, you're, you're probably right that this movie would be more successful in a different year. I mean, it happened to come out in one of the greatest... Well, I think it also like kind of made a lot of these people until like like all these actors were known but like it really like solidified them as great actors i think right, yeah great moment. actors but not necessarily profitable actors yeah we didn't make that much money and now mark um, ruffalo is in the avengers robert downey jr is an avenger right Where's yeah. Jake Gyllenhaal? Team <laughs> yeah. yeah what is he gonna play in he's gonna avengers. play moon knight yeah <laughs> um, is he so, actually no but i think that would be a great tank casting oh. well he wasn't a Prince of Persia. He wasn't the Prince, he was oh, the white yeah. Prince of Persia. Yeah. And that one he guy got a lot of subtlety to that role. Yeah. I didn't see Prince of Persia. I, I don't think anybody did. No. Yeah. Yeah, that was, was one of many like giant Disney bombs. Yeah, yeah that, that was a misstep on everyone's part. Um, but yeah, you're right. This one is it, it's a showcase for so many people that would become very famous. Even like Chloe Sevig- Sevigny. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to pronounce her name. Nobody does. But I she, just say Sevigny because I give up. <laughs> yeah, she's like kind of a 90s actress and like I mean, she's just like her being in the film. Yeah, I mean, she's a one that actually picks great movies on a pretty regular basis. Like, what is she known for? Because I swear she looked familiar, but then I read through her filmography and don't think I've seen anything else. Her she's been most, in. the movie that made her famous is probably Boys Don't Cry. Mm-hmm. Um, even though that's really the Hilary Swank movie, she plays the sister, supporting friend, whatever, um, and she's very good in it. So that's probably the most famous role she had early in her career, and kind of what led to other things down the line. Um, she is a worker. She just shows up in a lot of things. Um, she's so, in the movie. She, yeah. She's, that, okay, that might be why I know her name. <laughs> there you go. That's the one. I don't remember what she did in Louie, but I've seen every episode. Yep, me too. Um, so she doesn't have a ton to do in this movie, uh, to be honest. And if, no. Well, none of the women do. Yeah, there's no, no like. They're all like. It's a lot of unfortunate. Victims. The represent. They're all the rep. They're they're victims of the murderer yeah. in one way or the other. Yeah. Or, or just the wife. And, and Ruffalo has a wife, too. Right. Uh, That's kind of what I mean, right? Because yeah. they, they kind of have to suffer for their husbands uh, becoming obsessed with a serial killer, right? Yeah. And they just, like, a way to show how far the men have fallen because they're working so hard or yeah. whatever. Yeah, they're, they have Fincher's... One of the few directors that's kind of learned his lesson on that. Yes. Like, he directs Gone Girl, which is very... Like, the male character's deserve everything that happens yes. to it. That's why the movie's so great. Well, you kind of wonder... The Girl like, with the Dragon Tattoo yeah. is a remake, but... Right, with an important female role. Good, and, and he's, like, very much involved with House of Cards. Mm-hmm. And the woman who plays Kevin Spacey's wife in that Robin show... Robin Wright. Robin yeah. Wright is the reason to watch that show. Yes. Kevin Spacey's, like... 
the, doing his Kevin Spacey thing. Yeah, he has yeah. this ridiculous southern accent. Yeah. He's yeah. like Bela Lugosi and like level a- yeah. accent. Like it's, um, it's, it gets hammy. Yeah. So what could he have done with the female characters in this movie, though? Because it's supposed to represent like, what actually happened. Right? <laughs> yeah. Well, okay, yeah. I mean, it's like, I'm sure, you never know. But I'm sure there's like women who were important to the story that are just like being ignored because they're not written, written into the story. Yeah. Like the Although... Uh, Jake Gyllenhaal's ex-wife character did drop off that last bit of intel at the end there. Yeah, so yeah. wherever she got that, right? like we, we don't know. We could have That's true. That. We didn't see how she got that. Yeah, so, I mean, to a certain extent, it's a movie about newspapers and police departments in the 70s, and they didn't employ women. Yeah, so right? the, the yeah. patriarchy is in place. Right, like, so yeah. there's there's not that much space in that. Yeah, and it's like a arenas. historical depiction, right. so there's no room well, like, But there. we learned this in, like, King Kong, right? There's, like, a really important woman who, like, wrote King Kong that we have no idea who she is. Right, and, exactly. Like, Faye Ray so, is, like, saves King Kong. Yeah, so who, who knows what stories yeah. aren't being told, right? Like, yeah. and, and, well, Fincher knows because he researched this like crazy. So it feels likely to me that if he wanted to find a prominent female role here, he could, mm-hmm. right? And I think if you look at Spotlight, just as an example, it takes place not that much later, um, and it has the, uh, in the same style of setting, same kind of story, has the Rachel McAdams character uh-huh. who is fascinating and critical to the narrative. Um, they managed to find space for her there. So I feel like it's fair to criticize him for that. Like, I think okay. that he didn't, he probably didn't put in enough effort. He also and, knows better. He did, yeah. like, Panic Room before this. Yep. And that, like... Yeah, and he does He does learn. It takes him a little while. He does not learn in the prestige. Or, no, that's, that was Nolan, wasn't that's it? That's Nolan. That's yeah, Nolan. Okay, yes, yeah, that's easy to confuse these guys. Probably my favorite Nolan film. Yeah, but it's another one where it's, like, the Scarlett Johansson character in that is a prop, right? Like, she's yeah. just there to be someone for these guys to lust after. Or Alien 3. Like, Alien 3 is another thing where it's like, yeah. the only capable person here is... Yeah, he kind of inherits that. Is Ripley. Yeah, yeah like, that's 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 something that comes from the franchise. The story of Alien yeah. 3 is about a prison planet about uh, a people who have its particular genetic defect where you have an extra male chromosome. Okay. <laughs> which... That's um, insane. Okay. So she's, it, it's called like a, a super male uh, genetic defect, which sure. gives you like a slightly lower IQ and a, a lot of, <laughs> uh, this is a real condition and uh, okay. Ripley is among this population of these men who are not intelligent. Wow. She's the only capable person except for a doctor who's uh, an opioid addict. Oh, well. And even the the prison guards are not intelligent either. And she's like literally the only capable person there. Well, this, this movie sounds super weird now. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's a Fincher movie. Yeah. Uh, in and out. That's crazy. Okay, yeah. so then, you're, yeah, you're absolutely right. You should know better. Um, and I think we, it's Im- yeah. important for us to keep in mind that stories are a series of choices. And that he, despite being yeah. to- telling a very precise loyal, true story, mm-hmm. it's still, you're deciding which parts of that story are, are underlined, which are told, mm-hmm. which are featured. And um, I mean, for, the, for those reasons, like it's fair for, for us to point to the lack of female voices in this story. Uh, yeah, they're all like 70s horror movie victims. Right, well, and you can yeah. say that the exact same thing about uh, persons of color. Like there's literally everybody's white in this movie. Yeah, yeah although they do kind of poke at that 
a and, bit, but not in a way that's like progressive. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it kind of is insofar as they yeah. assume that the guy that is killing the cab driver is black. Yeah. Right. Like that. Yeah. Like making, pointing out that is and then getting punished oh, for it. Right. Is is progressive, um, but that's not that substantial. Yeah. Right? That's not. That's a, that's a short moment in a nearly three hour movie. Yeah. Um, Charles. What yeah. What do you think? I thought it was great. Great. Okay. I, I must really like Venture films. So. Good. Yeah, it yeah. makes sense to me that you would, uh, yeah. because of the, the the precision in his directing, like that's that's what he's known for. Yeah, like um, I mentioned before, I like his aesthetic style. I usually like, you know, a very prominent um, visual style. Um, yeah, he has that. Venture definitely has one. Uh, I noticed Kubrick has one. You know, these these kinds of things that I notice more clearly, I guess. Um, but also, you know, what we mentioned before about how tense some scenes can be. How compelling the narrative is, um, how well acted and interesting the characters are, um, and all that just really came together in this one for me. Yeah, another San Francisco movie too. So yeah, that was nice too. Right? It was cool to see the Trans America yeah. pyramid get, get constructed. <laughs> that was an eighteen. Yeah, maybe a little superfluous, but it worked. It was pretty. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So my my choice next week. Yeah, it is. Please. We got another win your column, Wilson. <laughs> got a, yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna roll. Yeah, have excellent taste. Okay. Uh. <laughs> What's up next? What do we got? Uh, yeah, I'd like to do um, the 2006 movie The Host, which is a Sweet. Korean horror film. Yeah. All right. Um, yeah, I'm into it. By uh, Bong Joon-ho, I think the yep. director's name. Right. And he just released a film at Cannes. That <clears throat> two rave reviews. Not to the Cannes audience, but everyone else who saw it. Well, the the Cannes audience no, Notoriously. Yeah, the the. The can audience didn't like the Netflix logo. Yes. That's what they thought. Oh. Yeah. Um, um, the movie itself, I don't know what they thought. Yeah, it's called Akia or something. It's coming out on Netflix soon. Netflix bought it. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. yeah. Anyways, so, uh, the host, I would like to watch super. Ne- next week. Um, Let's do it. This is, a, this is a great film. So, yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. Thanks for listening, everyone. Uh, we'll see you next week for the host. Hey, everybody. If you're enjoying the podcast, you can help us reach a larger audience by rating and reviewing it on iTunes. It only takes a minute and makes a big difference. Thanks, and enjoy the episode.